0: Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Welcome back, podcast listeners. This is, of course, Andrew McPeak, and with me, as always, is our illustrious founder, Dr. Tim Elmore. How are you today, Tim? I'm well. How about you? I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. Good. Thank you. I'm excited about today's conversation uh, because there is a connection we want to draw, as the title suggests, between soft skills and leadership skills. So I thought a fun way for us to kind of begin this conversation was to talk about a time when this happened to us, so a time when you weren't expecting to be... A leader or maybe even the leader, but it sort of just happened to you. You sort of stumbled upon leadership. So you thought of a time that that happened to you. I
1: did, yeah. In fact, I would say the big idea behind my starting Growing Leaders 20 years ago was to teach character and soft skills, but always with a leadership bias yeah, to it. Yeah. Meaning if we get this down, it's going to differentiate us from others. and yeah. Not us. It's going to differentiate a student from other students when they have them. And they're almost automatically seen as a leader. Yeah. So for me, it happened my junior year of high school. Um, I was, I think I was 17, 16 or 17 years old, my junior year. Yeah. And um, a campus club started that I wanted to be a part of. But because it was new and it was a very eclectic group of members, Mm -hmm. uh, conflict broke out. Different desires, different goals, different wishes, different, I don't know, assumptions and expectations. Yeah. And I found myself b- between warring parties, I guess you might call it, <laughs> trying to resolve conflict. You were an emissary. Yes, that's yeah. right. I was an ambassador trying to make peace. Yeah, know? But I noticed, even though I wasn't trying to lead anything, I was resolving conflict. And by solving problems, I was seen as a leader. Interesting. And eventually people from both sides said, you should be our club leader. Yeah. So I wasn't looking for it, and I don't think I was spectacular. But when you solve problems, it's kind of the fastest way to gain leadership. Yeah. And so while I wasn't looking, it just it just happened. I became the the president of our of our club. But you you have your own story. It happened to you in college. Didn't? Yeah.
0: It was actually very similar. Um, when I was a freshman in college, there was a club on campus that I think it started just in the couple years before I came. It was called Stop. It was about. Um, anti, it was kind of an anti-human trafficking movement. I had never heard of that before. And so I was instantly drawn to like, what is going on? I want to know more about this. Well, I started showing up to all the meetings and, you know, I'm helping pick up, trash when I need to, you know, after a meeting's over and sometimes they're like, Hey, could you come early and help with this? And I was just saying, yes, you know, uh, serving wherever I could. And, um, I got to know several of the members. So spring rolls around of my freshman year and I was in a vehicle and the president of the club was in there. He's in the front seat. I'm in the back seat. And he turns around and looks at me and goes, listen, I've been meaning to talk to you that you're going to be, um, you're going to be the president next year, right. When I'm gone. Oh wow! (laughs) And I was like, am I? Now. Yeah. Well, he was a senior. He's about to graduate, yeah. and when he thought yeah. of who is the right next mm-hmm. natural person to step into the leadership seat, it was the guy who was always there, serving yeah. and looking for yep. ways. It wasn't necessarily I had some great leadership potential or whatever or strategy or point. vision. Or, exactly. I didn't. E- I didn't either. Yeah. yeah. It was merely this is the guy who shows up. He's he's meeting needs, solving problems, yeah. connecting with people, and he naturally fits as the next leader.
1: Andrew, it just dawned on me. You're quick and easy story and my quick and easy story are really about what we stand for, solving problems and serving people. That's exactly right. You were just serving, not trying to take charge or gain any authority. Yeah. I was just solving some problems. It was wartime at the campus. But that's what earns us leadership. And yeah. they are soft skills that naturally build influence. Absolutely. So, in these cases, listeners, our soft skills actually became leadership skills. Yeah. And this actually happens quite often. It does. So, Andrew, you have a new book coming out. This I is do. your very first one solo. Yeah. Okay. So, I've been the cheerleader on this one.
0: Yeah. Well, you have been a great cheerleader. In fact, I, you're the one who came to me and said, when are you writing a book? And I went, well, I've got a few ideas. So. Just like that club back in your, your,
1: exactly college right. days. Exactly right. Exactly right.
0: So listeners, I want to give you uh, a little bit of a, a
1: foretaste of this. So I'm sitting with Andrew McPeak. I want Andrew to give us a sneak McPeak. <laughs> huh?
0: I've never heard see that what before, I did there? Tim. You okay? Yeah. Did. So
1: we're going to use that term now around here. <laughs> <laughs> give us a seat. So seriously, I do want you to do that. Yeah. So you start with a great story. Talk talk about this.
0: Yeah. Well, this is one of those stories that is a perfect picture of what we're talking about with this in this case. I came across a story um, a couple of years ago now about a student named Deja Taylor. Okay. So Deja was in AP Human Geography class, and she learned that one of the leading causes of death in developing countries is post-surgical infections. Huh. So people who go in from a yeah. routine, often surgical yeah. procedure, everything goes fine with the surgery, but maybe a week or two later, their wound becomes yeah. infected, infected and it actually can even lead to death. And not even more specifically, Deja heard about Infections after C-sections. So, hmm. a woman gives birth yeah. by a cesarean yeah. section, especially in third world countries. This is a major yeah. issue. Yeah. She learned in Africa alone, African nations, that uh, up to 20% of women who give birth by C-section actually later develop uh, an infection in the wow. surgical site. So, it's happening quite often. Not all of those pass away because yeah. of it, but it can be really dangerous. So, uh, this sort of realization about what's going on in the world, plus a challenge from her teacher saying, Hey, this sounds like a great opportunity for you to submit a project for our statewide science fair. She was in Iowa. That's where she was in high school. So she begins working on this project, October, 2019. Mm -hmm. And because we know world history at this point, uh, we know what's about to happen in October, 2019. So she is literally working on this project all throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, She had to do this project while she's doing virtual classes and all those other things. And her teacher who challenged her uh, to do this uh, at Iowa City West High School in Mm -hmm. Iowa, City, uh, even allowed her to come into the school by herself and go and work in the labs after after hours at the school Hmm. in order to push her project further. So here's her idea. It's really cool. So she had read that there were these kinds of sutures... Um, that they would put on, a, uh, a to kind of close up a wound yeah, yeah. afterwards that had the ability to sort of, uh, read the electrical uh, circuits going on in your brain. And these sutures can actually tell when an infection was present. Ooh. Now it's a really cool technology, but that's just it. It's technology, right? So it's only helpful when you've got the technology and you've got the internet and all those kinds, kinds of things. And so she said, you know, if this is going to work in sub-Saharan Africa, in some areas, you know, way out in the bush where uh, there's not this kind of technology. We need a better uh, system. So she began to experiment with less smart methods uh, for, <laughs> of sutures to detect infection. And she found one in uh, an unlikely place, beet juice. Interesting. So yes, like the beets that we eat. That's exactly right. Beet juice. So here's what she found. Once she starts getting into the biology of what's going on, she found that human skin is naturally acidic with a pH of around 5. But when a wound becomes infected, the pH goes up to about 9. Huh. And so uh, she was studying different materials, and she says she found that beets changed color right at the perfect pH point of 9. They go from bright red to dark purple, so if they're exposed to that level of acidity, then uh, then they change color. She said this is perfect for an infected wound, and so what she did is she found the perfect thread mm. for the sutures. She soaked them in beet yeah. juice, yeah. and all of a sudden, her invention is born. Isn't that something very doable? Absolutely, but took a smart girl, exactly. not smart
1: technology.
0: to do it. So uh, obviously, I mean, you're, if you're as wowed by this girl and her invention at, by the way, 17 years old, as I am, you're not surprised to learn she's won several science award for her project in the, uh, years following. She was even named one of the 40 finalists in the Regeneron science talent search. It's one of the country's oldest and most prestigious math and science competitions for high school seniors. But Deja, I think, um, I think she would say that these awards pale in comparison to her true goal, which was helping people, right? Yeah. In particular, helping these women uh, who were dying from their infections. So she's now in the middle of, pr- uh, of uh, pursuing a patent for her invention and working to find a way to mass-produce these. You can imagine this could absolutely change the world. I love it.
1: So we might say, without trying, Deja became a leader. That's exactly right. That wasn't right. her goal, yeah. but she's an influence, she's winning awards, she's come up with this invention that's serving and solving, yeah. serving people, solving problems. And this happens all the time today. Um, I was even thinking recently about um, uh, a book that I'm working on where I tell 52 stories of kids that did stuff like this. Shella Reese Ruffin uh, was a young girl who felt compassion for kids at her school and in her district who just needed a second chance. They were at risk kids or in crisis kids, they were getting expelled or suspended. And she thought even they need help, even if they're pushing everyone away. And she came up with a program that would be more conducive to a teenager to participate in. Some of the adult-led programs were just like, oh my gosh, this is so cheesy. Even if I need it, I don't want it. But she came up with, as a peer, with a program and within the first two years, there were like 3,500 students that jumped in. So cool. And now she realized later, oh my gosh, this takes great organization to keep this going. So she turned it over to other people, Yeah. probably went on to another idea, but same deal. She's solving a problem and serving some people and making it happen. Now these are soft skills that turn into leadership skills. I love it. So regardless of how brilliant a student is, uh, whether it's a STEM student, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math, they can influence. So talk about what, we're, what you're calling SEL cubed. Yeah. Talk about that.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is a kind of model. I was trying to explain this idea of why is it that soft skills become leadership skills, yeah. right? So you have to go back to how what we typically call SEL, right? That's yeah. the name that we often hear for social and emotional learning. And when people think about building social and emotional skills, the first thing they think about is personal growth, right? Yeah. And so they're thinking about the benefits it gives young yeah. people in job qualification, behavioral improvements, even academic performance, yeah. right? Yeah. These are all the reasons why we would go, let's build social, emotional kids and uh, skills and students. Kids are going to grow and they're going to be better. And this is why, indeed, we at Growing Leaders talk so much about soft skills. They are the beginning uh, uh, of the leadership journey, but that's just it, is we believe that soft skills are for something.
1: That's right. A means to an end.
0: Absolutely. Or rather, I would say for someone, right? Yes. Soft (laughs) skills are empowering you to make a difference in the lives of the people around you.
1: So it is about self-regulation that helps me, but then beyond that, it's going to influence positively
0: so many other people. Absolutely. Love it. And here's what's amazing is there is actually research that supports this idea. This isn't just a growing leader's hypothesis. So there was a paper that came out in uh, 2021. Um, It was called, it's a very papery title, so get ready, Social Emotional Need satisfaction, pro-social motivation, and students' positive behavioral and well-being outcomes.
1: Yes, that would be a white paper, not a best-selling <laughs> yes, book. That's right. exactly right. Okay.
0: So Rebecca Colley uh, is brilliant and wrote this book and she, or sorry, wrote this paper. She found a connection between soft skills and social impact. So in her study of 408 secondary school students in Australia, here's what she found. Collie found that the development of social and emotional skills led students to be, this is her word, autonomous motivated to do good for others around them. I love it. Isn't we that cool? would say the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So in other words, because they had these skills, without anybody needing to prompt them, they started to make an impact around them. So I believe that the goal of developing these non-academic skills in students is to actually prepare them to make this impact. In fact, uh, our mission, or our vision statement here at Growing Leaders is we always say, we imagine a world improved, even transformed mm-hmm. by millions of young people solving problems and serving people in their communities. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Can I
1: say that again, just so our listeners know, this is what we're, all about. We imagine a world improved, even transformed by millions of young people solving problems and serving people in the world around them.
0: Yes. I, I really do believe that once students have these skills, it, it transforms them, right? Yeah. Once you have social awareness, think about it this way. Yeah. You see that person sitting alone at lunch... And you go, I got to do something. You see your struggling classmate. You step in. You are walking down the street and you see trash. And you think, you know what? I believe in this community. I'm a part of this Mm -hmm. thing. Because your social awareness has grown, you want to dive in. So I think this practice can easily be explained by this SEL cubed model. Okay. Okay. So it's three SELs that all kind of lead to one another. So this is how I put it together. I believe that social emotional learning leads to social and emotional literacy. And when students have social-emotional literacy, it naturally leads to, or autonomously leads to, social and emotional leadership. Okay, let me repeat back to make sure I've got it. So
1: social-emotional learning, which often takes intervention on the part of adults, yep. leads to social-emotional literacy, naturally building influence in yep. young people, which leads to social-emotional leadership, and we believe that's impact. Yeah. That's like Dacia. Absolutely.
0: So, yeah, let me break this down in just kind of a really easy to understand way. I think the process, of course, starts with social emotional learning. This is your intentional interventions designed to help those students understand the skills they need and inspire them to believe that that skill is worth acquiring. So as the student engages willfully in social and emotional learning practices, they will naturally begin to develop social emotional literacy, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you can use that term literacy just like I learned to read and I read a book. I am learning to read myself the people around yeah. me. And also that term reading the air is yeah. another term yeah, we, like we like to like say. Use I can read the room. I kind of know what's going on. So as discussed earlier, social and emotional literacy gives students greater influence over themselves, others, and the world around them. Yeah. So while the first two of these stages of, of this model are about a student's personal development, the final stage is about what they do with that, their yeah. impact, right? So the increase of social and emotional literacy in a student's life, as we saw in that study, naturally leads them to want to have more of an impact in the world around them, and that's why I call it social emotional leadership. I really,
1: really like this.
0: The reason I think I like it is
1: I've always been predisposed in my worldview to think that if I get well, it's not just to be well, Yeah. although being well is good. Yeah. Good mental health is good. But while I think it's good, it's a means to an end. Once I'm healthy, I should look outward, not inward, not just inward. And I'm not saying, I want to be happy. I know my happiness is going to come from serving the needs of others. It's so fundamental to yours and my worldview, but I think it's revolutionary to many people that just don't think that way. I totally agree. So Andrew, I was talking, and and I'll make this quickly, but I was thinking about, as you were talking about the... um, the items we teach about how young people often begin their leadership journey, and it's not just getting a badge from a teacher yeah. saying, you're in charge now, you're the student council president or whatever. So if you remember, we talked about this in our certification program, yeah. some kids are gifted to lead. Yeah. They're the ones that you naturally spot very yep, quickly. They are a leader. There, there may be 5 or 10% of the population, max. But they become the team captain, they become the president of the student council, the resident advisor in college, et cetera. Um, I think John Maxwell, the guy I worked for for 20 years, he was a gifted leader, natural leader, okay? Yeah. I like to tell people he probably came out of the womb telling the doctors and nurses (laughs) what to do. Um, The next kind, though, sounds like it might be Deja. Yeah. Uh, Some are situated to lead, Mm -hmm. meaning... I don't see myself as a leader, but if I'm put in the right situation, yeah, I just get compelled. Yeah, uh, I'm ignited. Yeah, and so um, the gifted leaders on one side, ten percent of the population, maybe the situational leaders, situational leader might be ninety percent of the population. Yeah, I think you and I both would say I think we're situational leaders. Yeah, we wouldn't take over Apple. Yeah. or Google. <laughs> yeah, well, you might, but I won't. Um, <laughs> But um, I think my daughter, Bethany, is a great example. She's not this natural-born leader, but given, her, given the right situations all through college, she'd call me up and say, Dad, I found my situation. Yeah, and it, it was meant so much to me. I love that. Another kind is the one who are positioned to lead. And these would be the students that would never have the audacity to say, Make, put me in charge, I can take over this thing. Yeah. But when you do give them a position and a badge they rise to the occasion. Yeah. They just naturally... It's like they were waiting for permission to... Yeah, yeah. Ways. Or yeah. maybe even... I think so, but maybe even not waiting for permission. It never crossed their mind But yeah. someone saw something in them yeah. that, that, that they didn't. Yeah, And then the last one is... I, And that's my favorite one. I think some kids are summoned to lead. Mm. And they're summoned by a problem. Yep. Deja was summoned by a problem. Yeah. Um, I think Shelter Reese Ruffin was summoned by a problem. So... It starts with a feeling on the inside. Once I see something on the outside that's not right, yeah. that's an injustice, I get stirred on the inside. Maybe it starts with anger, actually. But as I get angry, maybe I talk to somebody ought to do something about this. And a good faculty member, a good administrator will say, well, good, maybe that's you. Yeah. Well, I don't want to lead anything. No, you don't have to lead anything. Just take a step. You'll probably get others involved. Others just need permission by someone acting. To join in, mm. so I really feel like it's helpful to know that unlike the traditional view of leadership that requires a badge or a title, or sorry, you're not a leader, we think no, build some soft skills. You're going to find one of these avenues yep. to start leading.
0: Yeah, once those soft skills are bit are, mm-hmm. are built rather. Uh, the The opportunity is open and all that needs to happen is one of these things needs to kind of come along. So, I mean, this is exactly what happened in Deja's yeah, story, Yeah, talk about right? that for a minute. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you think about what happened, it happened in exactly this order, right? Clearly, Deja was empowered with social and emotional skills yep. by her parents, her teachers, the leaders in her life. And it's also clear when you hear her story that as Deja developed these skills, she became more aware of the plights of others in the world, yep. right? Yep. It's not surprising to me that coinciding with her developing her skills, she reads a story about what's going on on the other side of the world. Probably five years before that, she might not have thought I could do something about that, or even the thought might not have even crossed her mind. But at this point, she's ready for that thought to cross her mind. And so when Deja was challenged by her teacher to actually solve the problem, she combined her social awareness with a self-awareness yeah. of her own strengths and came up with a tenacious problem or a tenacious solution to a yeah. problem that could literally save lives at a fraction of yeah. the cost. Crazy. It's literally all the pieces fell into place for this to work. I love it. Well, um, I definitely would
1: call that social emotional leadership. Yeah. And we have said many, many, many times, technical skills depreciate over time, yeah. but social skills appreciate.
0: It's the best investment we can make. That's
1: right. So we're gonna take a break and then I wanna come back and talk about these meta competencies you've come up with. Yeah. Hey, podcast listeners, I want to talk to you about something that I don't think I could be more excited about. I have enjoyed writing books, but um, Andrew McPeak, my teammate, you've written your very first book solo. We've co-written some books, but I'm so proud of you. And I love this book so much. I was honored to do the forward for it. So I want you to take a minute. Uh, I'm
0: giving you permission. Just talk about what's in this book and why it might be helpful. to to our listeners. Well, I wanna start with a question. It's a question that all of us, I think, are thinking subconsciously or consciously. So our technology-fueled world today is faster and more convenient than ever. But here's the question. Are we better for it? Mm. The evidence now shows that for our youngest population, generation Z, life has actually not gotten better. Mm. They're the most social generation in history, but they're also the loneliest. They're the smartest generation in history, but they also struggle in basic social interactions. They have more opportunities than ever before, but they tend to feel overwhelmed rather than empowered by them. And students aren't the only ones who are struggling. Shorter attention spans, shifting learning styles, standardized test preparation, and continuously changing policies are all creating frustrations for educators as well. What I've found is that to address these challenges, the world's greatest educators and leaders are changing their strategy. Instead of just emphasizing grades and tests, these leaders focus on instilling their students with skills they can use to make more positive life choices for themselves. These timeless soft skills go by many names in the modern world, but frankly, no matter what we call them, they all lead to one outcome, young adults who are ready for real life. In fact, that's why I call this book Ready for Real Life. This book defines the five core soft skills all students need using simple metaphors, a mirror, a map, a compass, a two-way radio, and a passport. Using compelling stories and practical insights, this book is going to show you how these five skills, though timeless in human history, are still our best strategy to prepare young adults for the 21st century. So Ready for Real Life is available for pre-order right now, and it's going to release on April 18th. All you've got to do is click the link in the description to pre-order your copy today.
1: Okay, so... Andrew, in this book, you talk about three meta-competencies, and you offer some metaphors. Would you talk about those quickly?
0: Yeah. So um, in the book, Ready for Real Life, the one that's coming out in April, um, I share five core soft skills, right? I've kind of mentioned that. Uh, I want to run through those just really quick. And then I want to give you three meta-competencies that all students need for all of these life skills. So as you're building them, these are really key. So the the five um, core soft skills, the metaphors I used, are a mirror, and the mirror is designed to help them. It's with their self-awareness, right? To help them define their own identity and strengths. They look in the mirror and see back, who am I? Uh, They need a map. And this is going to challenge them to plot their own path and manage their own time in life. So uh, handing them the map is all about building self-management. They also need a compass that helps them stay on course and aligned with their own personal values. So this teaches them responsible decision making. Um, Fourthly, they need a two-way radio. This can help them make and manage their relationships. So just like communicating on a two-way radio, Mm -hmm. this is all about building relationship skills. I've got to be on the same channel with people. I've got to learn listening skills. And then finally, the fifth idea is a passport so they can discover how they relate to the world around them. Uh, the passport idea is teaching us about social awareness. My identity is in the front of that passport, and I've got stamps all through yep. that passport. And those two things, both who I am and the experiences I have, help give me context for how I relate to the world around me. Okay, so real quick, share the three meta competencies. Yeah, so all throughout these five skills, I think there are three key ideas we've got okay. to activate. Uh, the first one is... They all start with C, of course, because we're growing leaders, right? Mm-hmm. The first one is character. So I believe possessing life skills without possessing character is like giving uh, car keys to a 16-year-old without a driver's license, right? I, they might have the skill to do something in, the li- in their life. They might be able to drive that yeah. car, but do you actually want them on the road, right? Um, I once heard our author C.S. Lewis years ago. Um, you know, he's, he's long gone now, but he wrote this really uh, amazing quote that sort of took me Um, The first time I read it, he said, we make men without chess and expect of them virtue and enterprise. Mm. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. Mm. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. Let us not make the foolish. I I believe we should not make the foolish decision of infusing our students with skills and neglecting their character. Totally agree. That's a key one right there. The second, I think, meta competency today is curiosity. You and I have talked about this even on the podcast before, but of all of the, kind of skills that I talk about in the book, what I was wowed about was how many times this concept of discovery was a part of the process. I think students have to discover themselves, they've got to learn to discover others, and all of that is going to help them thrive as well kind of healthily ad- adjusted adults. I think that's why curiosity may be one of the most important meta mm-hmm. competencies a student can acquire uh, today. Uh, Alvin Toffler once said, the illiterate of the future will not will yeah. not be those who cannot read or write. The illiterate of the future will be people who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. The question for us is, what have we learned that we need to unlearn? I love yeah that quote. It's such a great reminder to me about the importance of curiosity. And then the third one is maybe the simplest, but also I think really, really key. And that is courage. Courage is actually one of my personal three core values. And it's a value of mine, not because I naturally make courageous decisions, but rather because I don't actually naturally make them. And, um, so I, I just really have come to believe that when we make courageous decisions, uh, it actually enables everything else. I've learned to recognize that it's impossible to make change in the world without ruffling a few fe- uh, feathers, right? And so if our students were equipped with really great soft skills, but they didn't have the courage to make the decision and actually take the action that they knew was right, uh, they wouldn't really yeah. be ready uh, for the world they're entering into. Peter Drucker the great uh, business guru once said, anytime you see a successful enterprise, someone at some point made a courageous decision. Yes. And I think that is so true. If we actually want to see our students, just like Deja Taylor, right, actually take action, it's going to mean that we have to give them courage. So character, curiosity, and courage, I think those have to be present in all that we build in They them. are meta competencies. I love it.
1: So Andrew, share a final story of a kid that illustrates... Yeah. Practicing this idea.
0: Well, I love Deja Taylor's story, but I really love Michaela Ulmer's story. Uh, she was, get this, four years old yeah, uh, when she started her first business, which was a lemonade stand right in front of her house. Right. But, uh, unlike other students who started in the lemonade stands, she has turned her lemonade stand into a lemonade empire at this point, And it's one that is bent on bettering the world. So when Michaela was really young, she learned about the plight of bees. If you've been paying attention in the world, bees are in trouble, right? They're dying in, in, in many unexplained ways. And she was using honey in her lemonade recipe. And so, uh, kind of amazingly up to that point as a really young kid she had actually been afraid of bees she got stung twice in the same week by two different bees but instead of giving into her fear she decided i was going to learn she was going to learn more about them and what she discovered was a massive need right bees who are uh, really important to our ecosystem are dying off at an alarming rate and so to help save the bees Michaela decided she was going to expand her operation and make sure that the resources that she was earning, the profits that she was earning were going to help save the bees. So she created me and the bees lemonade. Uh And that lemonade is everywhere. In fact, I first heard about her, not because of some interview or whatever. I was in Target. I picked up some lemonade called me and the bees. And I was like, what is this? On the back, it told the little story. She actually got famous when she appeared on Shark Tank at age nine. And that exposure exploded her idea. She's now 17 years old as we speak today. She has sold over 2 million bottles of lemonade, not too bad, and has even written a book called Be Fearless, of course, with two (laughs) E's, Be Fearless, Dream Like a Kid, which I really love. Um, There was an interview where Michaela was asked about the secret to her success. And here's what she said. I've ended up with a saying, ask for help when you need it, because there's always help back at the Hive. There are always people who are willing to support you in your journey and in your mission. I think even Michaela knows she could not have done what she has without other people supporting her, encouraging her, empowering her, equipping her with all those skills and resources she needed to thrive. I would say, That someone, probably many someones, did a really great job of getting Michaela ready. And this, to me, is the greatest truth of empowering students to be ready for real life, as I say in my book. When we do our job really well as educators and leaders and coaches and parents, their success is our success too.
1: I love it. Andrew, talk about how people can pre-order your book. This is really, really good.
0: Yeah, so the book is called Ready for Real Life, Unpacking the Five Essential Soft Skills Great Leaders Instill in Their Students. And like you heard, those five essential soft skills, I talk about them in terms of five metaphors. They're tools that we can put in the packs of our students to get them ready for the journey of life that they have upcoming. So this book, Ready for Real Life, is coming out on April 18th, and you can pre-order it right now. All you got to do is click the link in the description subscription, and you'll be able to go and pre-order that book. I'm really excited about it coming out. It's been a long journey, but I'm really excited that it's finally here. So pick up your copy of Ready for Real Life. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Well, as always, if you want to uh, rate this podcast, we would really appreciate it. Give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you find this found this conversation helpful, I really encourage you to share it with somebody who you think might also enjoy it. Uh, If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, people you think we should interview or subjects you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those from you. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We'll see you on the next episode.